The Action Network podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a brand new sign-up offer for our listeners. Bet $1 on any team and win $100 if that team scores a touchdown. That's right. All you have to do is open a new WinBet account, deposit $20 or more, and bet $1 on any team within your first 10 days. If that team scores a touchdown, you win $100. So if you haven't signed up for a WinBet account yet, take advantage of this offer today by clicking on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's start the show. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet Sportsbook. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, joined by Mike Ionello, as always, for our Group of Five deep dive here in week number 10. A quick reminder for our audience, in addition to the regular content that you're getting from us in the college football world, that's Sources with Brett McMurphy, the incredible work that Stucky and Colin do on Thursday nights into Friday mornings, as well as their live show on Saturdays. We're also going to be adding in a bonus episode every Wednesday moving forward, which will be the three-man weave covering college basketball is back in earnest so be sure to check that out on Wednesday mornings as for this podcast we've been doing pretty well I can at least speak for myself last week it was a clean sheet uh, Navy leading the way on Friday night with that big upset of Tulsa and then some some more minor magic I will lead that directly into my G5 hero of the week I can There's not one, there's two Gavins on the UTEP roster, and Gavin Bockel, their place kicker, did a lot of the heavy lifting for me down the stretch. With UTEP tra- uh, tra- trailing 28-10 to 10 late in the fourth quarter, catching 10.5 or 11, depending on which sports book you punch that bet in on, they needed some help. They got a touchdown, a two-point conversion, but there's 250 left on the clock. Onside kick scenario setting up. If you know they had not recovered this kick, there's a chance that they were going to blow the cover he goes ahead, successfully executes the onside kick. UTEP goes down the field, scores another touchdown. It was a long touchdown pass, about a 50-yarder. They end up losing by three, covering easily. Gavin, we salute you. UTEP, even when you lose, you win on this podcast. So I really love the work that you guys have been doing all season. And it is an absolute crime that college game day is not in El Paso this week for 8-0 UTSA against 6-2 UTEP. But I know where my heart and affection will be lying this week, and it will certainly be in that Conference USA West showdown. Who is your G5 hero of week number nine, Ionello? My little appetizer hero is definitely you for carrying the pod. I've been gambling probably for 10 years. Saturday was the worst gambling day I've had in my entire life. And it wasn't just the fact that I lost pretty much every bet I made. I mean, I I did hit the UTEP. I had that as well. I hit the South Alabama, which was my best bet on the show. I hit a couple. I hit that, you know, Iowa, Wisconsin under a couple other ones. Lost everything else. And it wasn't just that I lost all my bets. It was I 
I had every bad beat. I had the SMU money line. They give up the 100-yard touchdown to lose it. The kick return touchdown. I had Florida State plus nine and a half. I'll never recover yeah. from that. I had I had the that the Temple UCF <laughs> the Temple UCF under I gave out on the show. UCF sitting 42 nothing like pretty much the entire game. Temple scores a meaningless touchdown with 30 seconds left to lose 42-7 and hit the over. Maryland gave up a, a backdoor touchdown in Indiana, so they lost that. Kind of, it was a gut wrenching day, and I think a big part of that was I did not have my old faithful Maction to rely on. Kickoff midweek Maction, its return here. Another slate of fantastic games we have for you. Yeah, this is the best time of the year. There was only one game, but that is where I'm going. My G5 hero of the week is Scott Leffler, the Bowling Green head coach. We see it in baseball sometimes, you know, in the, in the dead heat of the summer, it's hard to get your team motivated. We'll see Aaron Boone go out there and kind of potentially get himself ejected to try to fire up his boys. Scott Leffler, he got ejected in the third quarter after two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. This is a you know somewhat new rule in college, so I think it's only like 10 years old. He's actually the first college football coach to ever get ejected for this rule. So he made history in that sense, getting ejected. He got ejected at the end of the third quarter. And During the timeout, a second unsportsmanlike conduct foul was called against, against Bowling Green head coach. The Bowling Green head coach has been disqualified and ejected for the remainder of the game. Wow. So Scott Leffler going to head towards the locker room. After he got ejected, Bowling Green went on to score 28 points in the fourth quarter. To put that into comparison, Bowling Green has not scored 28 points in a game in almost three years. So this is the ultimate addition by subtraction. He also, by the way, calls the plays. Credit to Scott Leffler falling on the sword and getting out of the way. Also a low-key crazy moment in that game. I don't know if you saw this, but Matt McDonald went to take a knee with like 30 seconds left and Bowling Green up a touchdown and just took off and ran for like a 50-yard touchdown. Oh, found a little alley. Now he should go down. He we should go down. He should go down. He's going to the house. I mean, I, I've seen it all now. I have seen it all. He acts like he's going to take a knee to the right. He should have gone down after he got the first down. How there was not a brawl, I don't know. That concerns me about Buffalo, that maybe they've given up fight. I mean, you have to chase him down and absolutely clobber him in the end zone. I don't know. Maybe maybe Buffalo's given up on the year. That's something to follow for, for the future. But I'm going with Scott LaFleur as my hero of the week for getting out of the way. Are you serious? Maction, you got to love it. I couldn't agree more. Bowling Green has been one of those pesky teams all season, and certainly they got some kind of weird bump from their coach getting tossed. I love the the little facts dropping in there about him calling the plays. Maybe he's just been holding them back. It's the only thing that's stopping them from having that uh, early 2000 high-flying Urban Meyer Bowling Green offense that's uh, made me fall in love with the Mac way back in the day. Omar Jacobs and Cole Magner with his flowing golden locks coming down from his helmet. They also had absolute peak early 2000 jerseys where they had like weird striping that went from the shoulders down their sides. It was it was pretty hideous, but for a color scheme and a logo that's probably bottom 10 in college football, I think, you know, they really embraced it. And transitioning from players taking things into their own hands to two programs that always follow orders, Air Force versus Army for my best bet here in week 10. I like over 37. I'm already encouraged by the fact that Colin Wilson was early on this one on the Action Network app. If you go ahead and follow him, not only does he put out his plays, but he puts out a quick rationale of everyone. Um, And as soon as games open, he's right on it. This number is 37. And I get it. Historically, this is an underplay. This is an auto underplay. It's only exceeded 37 once since 2014. But here's the thing. 
Air Force is 82nd in defensive stuff rate. Not great against the run. Army's 59th. And both, as Wilson points out, are elite in finishing drives in the red zone. Their touchdown percentage is incredibly high. They don't attempt many field goals. You you have two offenses that are going to utilize all four downs to be able to get that short yardage. And then on top of it, you have Air Force. They're 76th in running plays of 30 yards or more allowed nationally. So Army can hit the big one against them. And then finally, when you look at what Army has done this season, They've played in a whole bunch of shootouts. Four of their games have exceeded 50 points. And that Western Kentucky game was 38-35. Wake Forest, they scored, I want to say, like 126 points in that one. Granted, I don't think it's going to go quite that high, but you're getting the value in a number that books historically have not been able to make low enough. I think this is off by close to you know four or five points. And when you're looking at a spot where it's this low, 37 is is just one of those numbers that is predicated on the fact that they're both slow, methodical teams, and the chances of having those 10, 11 play drives are certainly on the table to eat up the clock. But anything below 40 just became an auto overplay for me because I do believe that Army is a team that can punch a lot of totals over the, the closing number. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for my best play of the week. I know that you are anti this play, Ionello. You you were fuming in the Slack channel as soon as it went up. But I, I just think this is being discounted by the fact that historically these two teams have played very conservatively, and this year they have more punch on offense. What are your thoughts? I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> it's one of those, This is one of those plays for me that everything you said makes total sense. I don't care. A man has to have principles, Mike. He has to believe in something. I don't believe in a lot of things. I believe the MAC is the best conference in America. I believe UTSA should be ranked. And I believe service academies go under. Insert the Kevin Costner line from Bull Durham. Just toss that in. What do you believe in then? I believe in the soul. The hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. And I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Service academies go under. You bet they're under blindly. Like you said, service academy unders are 39, 9, and 1 since 2005. This is one of those ones where even if I had a crystal ball and could see to the future and I knew this game was going over, I still wouldn't take it. I don't want any part of that. That's that's dirty money. It's 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 no good here. It may win. I hope it wins for the sake of our show. I don't like it because I have principles and my principles say you bet service academy unders blindly. That's just American. It's like apple pie service academy unders. I actually have a play on this game as well for my best bet. I'm actually going to go with Air Force minus three here. I think Air Force is a pretty good team. I know we talked about this before when they played San Diego state, which they did end up losing that game, but they looked pretty good. And they, you know, they've had a good run through the mountain West. Obviously they beat Boise state, beat Wyoming, beat New Mexico state, beat FIU, beat, uh, they lost to Utah state, whoop Navy Army's dropped four in a row. Now they lost to two max schools, obviously Wisconsin beat them, which you kind of expected. And then, like you said, they had that fluky game against wake Forest That was bananas. These teams know each other. They play very similar Air Force does everything that Army does a little bit better. They're, they're first and second in the country in rushing offense. Air Force is first. They average 318 yards per game. They lead the country with 28 rushing touchdowns. What's kind of unique about this Air Force team versus normal service academies like Army, Navy, you know, Air Force in the past is usually when you look at their stats, they ha- like Army has it this year, where they have like six running backs that are all averaging like around 40 to 60 yards per game. They they share the ball. They're, they don't like 
I mean, other than, you know, like Malcolm Perry, can you name a player that's been on any of these teams in the last five years? Like no one knows who's on army or air force or, or Navy. Cause it's just, Hey, we give the ball to whoever's in the standing behind me. And he goes for five yards and you do that with seven different guys. We rotate him through, but this air force team is unique in the sense that they really do have two stars. Hazik Daniels and Brad Roberts, who are their main bell cows that like most of these teams don't have. Daniels is aver- he's their quarterback. He's averaging 71.8 yards per game with nine touchdowns on the ground. Brad Roberts has gone for 105.6 yards per game with eight touchdowns. So it's really just the two of them that dominate. They're both very good. And I agree, you know, the the line yards, uh, Navy or Air Force's defensive line yards isn't great. But like you said, neither is Army. But Air Force is much better on the offensive line. They're eighth in the country in run blocking grade, according to PFF. And while their line yards, you know, isn't great, they are still good against the run. They're 14th in the country in rush success on defense, where Army is 40th. Another concern is the Falcons are ninth in tackling, where Air, uh, Army is 71st. So I do think they have a huge advantage in the tackling department. They have a huge advantage on the offensive line. And like I said, I really like their quarterback and running back combo. I think they're the better team. They've already beaten Navy, like I said. So if they win this game, they clinch the commander-in-chief trophy. I don't like your over, but if it hits, I hope it's because Air Force is running the ball up on Army. Give me the Falcons minus two and a half. So I like it. I'm, I'm going to ride with you on that one. I'm going to parlay it together. Same game parlay. Check out the win bet sports books to be able to toss those together um, and get yourself, you know, plus 250 if uh, both sides of it can hit. Speaking of pairing up plays for optimal payouts, we're going to go ahead with our week 10 underdog group of five parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. I'm going to get started here with a team that I've, I've been on for most of this season, almost hit a, a monster underdog spot against uh, Louisiana early in the season, going with the South Alabama Jags plus 165 here against Troy. Jags are five and three in the season, but they have a pair of losses by two, as I mentioned, ULL, and then also Texas State. Very easily, without much imagination, a few plays going right for them on the season, they could be seven and one. And I think you're getting a discount on a team that now that we are in the heart of Sunbelt play, you have to evaluate them based on how they're playing against conference opponents. Don't worry about the, the early season growing pains that they were encountering. When you look at what they're doing on offense, their last four games, 33 and a half points per game, Jalen Tolbert has turned into the best receiver in the Sunbelt. 10 catches, 141 yards and five touchdowns uh, across the last five. That's 10 catches per game, 141 yards per game. The, the kid is just an absolute monster and he's allowed them to pair this suddenly dynamic offense with a really stout defense by Sunbelt standards. This is elite 19th nationally in total defense 30th in yards per carry allowed their past defense may even really be better. 55% completions allowed. And they're picking off nearly 5% of opponents passes their top 10 nationally and taking the ball away when the ball's in the air. So that's led to them being top 25 in turnover margin. All of these reasons, I think they should be favored in this game. I love those spots where you're a short underdog, and I really think that they should be minus three or four in this game and not the Troy Trojans. So I'm going to go ahead and take South Alabama, not complicated. What are you going to pair up for us here in week 10? That was actually going to be mine. I When I you know, went through the card last night, I had written down and done all the research for that as well because that was going to be mine. Obviously, South Alabama was my best bet last week, that cash. I, I agree with you. I love this defense. I think, you know, Bentley's a great quarterback to kind of he's a perfectly G5 kind of quarterback. I'm going to pair it with a team I talked about last week as well. They were my hero last week. I'm going with the UL Monroe 
Warhawks plus 150 at Texas State. The Warhawks are just a lot better than people think. They were 0-10 last year. And I think, you know, most people kind of still think of them as that bottom feeder of college football. They're four and four. They're playing good football. They're two and three in conference play, whereas Texas State's two and six this season. They're one and three in conference play. And, you know, UL Monroe is beating good teams. They're beating teams better than Texas State. You just talked about Troy. They beat Troy. They beat Liberty. They beat South Alabama. So, like, they're beating teams that are much better than Texas State. Texas State, they lost to Eastern Michigan. They lost to Georgia State, and they got whooped by Louisiana last week. Monroe has brought in freshman Chandler Rogers, who's looked really good. He's he's very mobile. He's fast. He gives them this kind of different dynamic to their offense. Uh, he did get hurt late in the App State game, but I was reading about it uh, earlier today, and Terry Bowden said that it was just, you know, he got hit on the arm. They were getting smoked by App State. He figured let him rest. He's expected to play. He's been back at practice. And, and Rogers has played the last, what, four games? He's got eight touchdowns, just three picks, very mobile. Uh, his leading wide receiver is Boogie Knight, which is just a phenomenal name to bet on. I, I I don't know how you handicap awesome names, but I like to factor it in. I think it's a little bit important. So Boogie Knight's certainly the name of a guy I'd want to bet on. Texas State's dealing with injury concerns of their own. Brady McBride dealing with an ankle injury. He didn't play at all against Louisiana. And word out of campus, he's not fully practicing. Tyler Vitt has been taking the first team starts. Tyler Vitt uh, threw for 42 yards last week against Louisiana. So he's not exactly shown me anything that screams be afraid of this quarterback. So with, with Terry Bowden, Rich Rodriguez, this is their first year, both very veteran coaches, both coaches who have been successful as head coaches at the power five level, been around the block. This UL Monroe team is buying into them. They're buying into what their two veteran coaches are preaching. And I think it shows in their play. And the other thing that I like about this play that's a little bit concerning is Texas State's athletic director put out this like huge statement this week, basically saying, hey, we suck, but we know we suck, but we're going to try harder not to suck and, and please support us even though we suck. Maybe that inspires the fan base. It didn't come off it to me. I don't know. I'm not buying it. I think they suck. So, uh, and like I said, I think UL Monroe is playing better, and I think they're still kind of getting priced at the team last year when they've shown they're an average team. They're 500 this year. So at, at plus 150, give me the Warhawks. Yes, uh, San Marcos at this point is really only known for tubing, but this team is going down the river for sure. It was a team I liked a lot last year. They had a lot of fight in them, but they did something weird in the offseason. They didn't recruit a single high schooler in their recruiting class. They brought in some transfers, and that always goes one of two ways. Either the kids are ready to play and they're adults, or just the, the jigsaw pieces do not fit together. And it's pretty clear at this point with the sample size being what it is, that Texas State is just not putting it together on the season. And that's a team, by the way, that's going to quit because they're not playing for next season. They're not like, oh, we're going to build on it and give it. It's like, if we're all transfers, we're all going to be gone next year. They're going to quit. And when you put these two plays together, um, you know, both out of the Sun Belt, you get plus 575 on your money. So hopefully we can catch that for our audience. And now is a quick reminder to our listeners. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a brand new sign-up offer for you guys. Bet $1 on any team and win $100 if that team scores a touchdown. That's right. All you have to do is open a new WinBet account, deposit $20 or more, and bet $1 on any team within your first 10 days. If that team scores a touchdown, you win $100. bucks. does not matter if you bet Alabama or Ohio State or even Akron. As long as they score one TD, which even Akron could probably do, that $100 is yours. So if you haven't signed up at WinBet Sportsbook yet, take advantage of this offer by clicking on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, 
Now it's time for the true moneymaker of the pod, which is the group of five high five round robin here in week 10. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five. Love the high five. It's something that's um, not only am I clearly rooting for my own picks, but I always keep an eye on what you're picking, betting it individually, you know, pairing it up into different parlays. So I'll get it started this week. I, I got three on my docket. Maction's back. Last night was fantastic. I believe we saw 14 points in the first half between Miami of Ohio and the Ohio Bobcats. And then they dropped a 54-point bomb in the second half. I love that kind of volatility. It's been incredible. Midweek Maction has been phenomenal. So I'll have Kent State minus four here with that loss last night by the, the Red Hawks. They now have an opportunity to take a full game lead in the Mac West. And really, since Mac play has started, they've just been cooking on offense. 35 points per game, and Dustin Crum has gotten off the mat after getting beat up by AM and Iowa earlier in the season. Last four games, he's accounted for 11 total touchdowns, but more importantly, zero turnovers. And here's the thing. Kent State can't stop the run, 116th nationally. You know, we're not breaking any new ground here. They also give up huge plays on the ground, 124th in run plays allowed of 20 yards or more. But when I look at the opposing team and what should be a shootout, I'm going against a quarterback that I think is by far the inferior one in this matchup. And Rocky Lombardi, his QBR in almost half of his games this year are just as bad as his blonde haircut. He has been horrific. He's had two sub-25 point out of 100 QBR games. And I think for that reason, when the pressure's on to be able to move the football down the stretch against a Kent State team that's going to keep the pressure on them, I'm banking on him making the mistakes. I know that Ionello has been, you know, on the fence about Rocco Lombardi. I, I think he may actually be a closeted fan. So we're going to find out now. Is this somebody that you're really into that you believe has a high end NFL draft, you know, a uh, potential landing spot? You know, maybe he shows out at the NFL combine. I just want to set you up perfectly because I know this is somebody that elicits a lot of mixed emotions from you. He stinks. Rocky Lombardi stinks. <laughs> you have no idea how much I needed to hear you give out this pick because I've been wavering all week because you know there's nothing I love more than betting against Rocky Lombardi. And I wanted to do it. But the problem is I've been burned before. Uh, Northern Illinois has been incredibly lucky. And I've been super nervous because, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, regression's coming because they've been lucky. But my attitude is always like, okay, but what if they keep getting lucky? <laughs> so you're on Kent State. Literally just put it in as we're talking because – all I needed to hear was that you agreed with me. I'm taking it. Go Flashes. All right. How about your pick here to pair up for the G5 high five? I'm pretty sure you have a play in this game coming, which makes me super nervous because this didn't work for me last week when I did it. But we're going back to the well with our with our little two-for-one special. I'm taking SMU <laughs> minus four and a half against Memphis. That game last week got a little, you know, out of hand with Houston. It was kind of a crazy back-and-forth game. Like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Houston – SMU scored to tie with 30 seconds left and then immediately give up a hundred yard kick return to lose. So I would play SMU again against Houston. They were minus one. It was a coin flip game. It came down to a coin flip. I got them at a coin flip price. So I still think that was the right side. And obviously Clayton Toon played a lot better than we thought, but this is still a very short number for a very good SMU team against a very bad Memphis team. SMU is still first in the country in past success rate. Memphis is 88th in past success defense. SMU is 10th in the country in big plays. They have a huge advantage in the big play department. They have a huge advantage in the havoc department, and they have a huge advantage in finishing drives. SMU's defense is 12th in the country against the run. And yeah, we saw Clayton Toon was able to beat them through the air last week, but Memphis quarterback Seth Hennigan is hurt. He's a game time decision. He didn't play. I don't know that he's going to play in this game. He didn't play last week. 
Instead, Peter Parrish came in. He had no touchdowns, three interceptions. I'm going to get this number soon because if Hennigan is ruled out, I think the number is going to go up. And even if Hennigan's ruled in, I don't, we like Hennigan. We've taken him before. He's not better than Tanner Mordecai. And there's just so many weapons on this SMU offense. And this Memphis defense is just really bad. So I think SMU is going to bounce back after that tough loss to Houston. I like him to cover the four against Memphis. Yeah, I'll piggyback quickly here. I like the over 71, also predicated on whether Hennigan plays or not. When he's started and finished the game, Memphis is averaging 36 points per game. And when you look at SMU going on the road, they may be the best road offense in the country. They're averaging 38 points per game away from Dallas. And because of that, I think they're going to be able to light up this Memphis defense. And then finally, SMU's special teams is just horrific. 119th in kickoff defense or coverage, oh. however you want to phrase it. Um, and in terms of when you know they put the ball in the air, punting it, Calvin Austin third is one of the most electric playmakers with the ball in his hands. And I think you're going to see Memphis find a way to get him maybe on the field for kickoffs for the very first time this season, but certainly on punt returns. So the opportunity to get those bonus scores, those non-offensive touchdowns, I think it, it, it's ripe in this game. So I like over 71. But once again, you're going to want to follow up on Twitter, collegefantasyupdate.com. They'll do a good job of being tied into the beat reporters to give you that updated information on Seth Hennigan. I'll go quickly to, to my last uh, round robin pick here, and it's going to probably burn you a little bit because you had the logic last week and then the Cincinnati offense didn't show up. This week, Cincy minus 23 against a Tulsa offense that flat out stinks. They were held to 17 <laughs> points or fewer three times this season against UC Davis, go Aggies, Houston, and Navy, where I hit last week. Navy just absolutely shut them down, got off the field whenever they wanted. This Cincinnati defense is going to play angry. This is their time to send a message to the college football playoff committee you can even see it in the comments by luke fickle someone who hasn't played politics with this he's pissed he's going right after the committee and i think when you pair that up with college game day being on the campus the chances of a flat performance here are basically zero tulsa's 83rd against the run i'm going to see a really big performance from jerome ford and also desmond ritter you know getting involved in the zone read they've given up so many runs of 30 yards or more at 92nd in the country. So big plays for the Cincinnati running game. And I think there's a high likelihood they're going to hold them under two touchdowns when Tulsa has the football. So minus 23, no problem. My power rankings actually call it for me to be in that 30 to 31 point range. So more than a touchdown worth the value. Love the Bearcats here. Yeah, obviously I liked it last week. Didn't have like it again this week for the same reason you just said. Um, for my last pick, I purposely did not tell you what this play is. You don't know it. Usually we, we tell each other ahead of time. You don't know this. I didn't tell you on purpose. I wanted your live reaction. I've never seen the movie Sophie's Choice, but I imagine it's about a woman trying to decide between her two favorite Conference USA schools. And we have that matchup this week. And I couldn't not make a play. And I'd be honest, I spent a lot of time trying to decide how to play it because I knew I had to play it. <sighs> I hate to do this. I'm taking UTEP plus 11. I love me. me we know that. I, I also thought about the under. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to be kind of a little bit of a slog. It's going to be a great game. College game day not being there is a joke. Cue the music. We're going down to El Paso. We're talking minor nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Obviously, we already talked about how good of a start UTEP's off to. They lost 28-25 last week to FAU, kind of a heartbreaking fashion. But what I like is, like we talked about, the back door was open. They didn't give up. They have fight. This team is so well coached. They're, they're, they play hard for each other. I love this team. 
They scored 15 points in the final three minutes, covered the onside kick, as you talked about. Gavin Hardison is so much better this year than he was last year. UTEP is 30th in the country in past success rate. Jacob Cowling has been a really good receiver for them. He's gone over 100 yards in four of the last six games. They have two great running backs, Ronald Awat, Deion Hankings. Both of them are averaging over 50 yards per game on the ground. UTEP's 23rd in the country in rush rate. They want to run the ball. They run the ball a ton. And that's good for, an, for a, a big spread. It's good for a, an underdog. And the UTSA defense is good. So I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. But like I said, I think UTEP slows this down. I think they kind of shrink the possessions. 23rd in rush rate. They're 122nd in plays per minute. But this UTEP defense is awesome. They are 10th in the country in pass success. They're 19th in rush success. 12th in line yards. 28th in preventing big plagues. 26th at preventing finishing drives. And they're first in the country in havoc rate. So I think they're going to do just enough to get into this UTSA backfield. I'm hoping it's a big-time sincere McCormick game, a little less Frank Harris. Keep the ball on the ground. Both teams run the ball. UTSA wins by seven. Everyone goes home happy. I had to play it. I'm taking the Miners in the Sun Bowl plus 11. I mean, it's pretty simple. You love your kids, not equally. I mean, don't tell your kids that. But there's always one that's your favorite. And in this case, it's so close. It's legitimately so close which team we've been carrying the water for more this season. But there's only one that's left with an absolute dream season on the line, and that's UTSA. So give them a 10-point victory. Let the miners cover. Everybody wins. I'm with you there 100%. And here's, here's the best part of this. If I lose this bet because UTSA wins, then you know what? Good for my second favorite child. I'm going to be happy for them as well. And now for a quick recap on all of our bets, starting with our best bets here in week 10, Air Force and Army over 37. Air Force minus two and a half. Bullshit, I can't hear you. And for our G5 Moneyline Parlay, South Alabama plus 165. The South Alabama Jaguars. Louisiana Monroe plus 155. The Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. For a payout of plus 575. And for our G5 High Five Round Robin, Kent State minus four. The Kent State Golden Flashes. SMU minus four and a half. The SMU Mustangs. Over 71 between SMU and Memphis. The Memphis Overs. Cincinnati minus 23. The Cincinnati Bearcats. And UTEP plus 11. We're talking minor nation. That's it for the Group of Five deep dive here in week number 10 under the Big Bets on Campus podcast banner. You got Colin and Stucky dropping their podcast on Thursday night into Friday morning, as well as their live show on Saturday. And the three-man weave now being weaved into the content here at Big Bets on Campus. Wednesday mornings, they'll be covering everything college basketball, so you will not want to miss those bonus episodes. Everything else is staying the same. We're going to be with you all the way through bowl season, so don't fret. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive.